Welcome to Books and Nachos, a podcast for those of us who find excitement in the pages of a good book. At booksandnachos.com, you can find over 100 reviews, from fiction to nonfiction, graphic novels, and more. There's also links to our forums, our Facebook and Twitter pages, and information about our Podbean crowdfunding campaign. At booksandnachos.com, we're here to find you something great to read. Welcome back, listeners. This is Jake the Snake. And this is Jason. And we're still trying to escape from New York in this second episode of Six, discussing novelizations and comics from the Escape from New York, John Carpenter universe. Today, we're going to be talking about Boom Studios, Escape from New York, Volume 1, Escape from Florida. And before we get into this, there's something you said last week, Jason, that kind of perked my ears up when you mentioned thought balloons. Like, I haven't seen a thought balloon in a comic in a very long time, and, you know, I I started with comics, 1989, Tim Burton's Batman blew me away. I got to read these comics. And that's when I started going to comic book stores and I've taken breaks here and there. Like when I got to college, I didn't have that disposable income. So there's kind of a gap that I had to go back later on and buy those graphic novels and catch up. But more or less since 89, I've stayed on top of what's going on with comics. And so, yeah, I know thought balloons aren't around anymore. So what is your history with comics as we get into five volumes of Escape from New York comics? I jumped into comics when I was maybe six or seven years old. I jumped in with G.I. Joe. Marvel Comics' first G.I. Joe, a real American hero run, tied in with the cartoon and they had the toy line. Those are the Larry Hama ones. I don't know if you remember who the writer was, but yeah, Larry Hama, a Vietnam vet. They're supposed to be very good. I've only read a few of them. They, as my memory serves, and I still have them. I keep my old issues of the G.I. Joe run in a little shoebox. I'll go back and read them. And the Larry Hama one's fantastic. Yeah, silent interlude, classic. Oh, that is definitely a classic. I was really into the G.I. Joe comics. I read them all through that run, which kind of ended around the early 90s, which is around the same time the toy line ended. At that point, I'd gotten into X-Men. Chris Claremont's X-Men, I came in real late in the 200s. Look, I I came into Batman with issue 400-something, 300-something. That's just how you got into comic books back in the day. Yeah, but I didn't go back and read the issues that came before me. I got in there at the tail end of a storyline called Inferno, and I didn't go back and read Inferno, so I had no idea what the characters were discussing when they're discussing the fallout of this multi-comic art. But I stuck with X-Men until the early 90s. They split off into the blue and the gold teams, and I really loved Jim Lee's art. So I followed that X-Men book. Oh, that was a huge series, Jim Lee's X-Men, yeah, in the 90s. Did you have all, like, seven covers for that first issue to make that huge gatefold? I've got two. One of them, obviously, was a cover that had Gambit on it because he was my favorite character. I think he was every... Oh, you're a Gambit guy. Uh Uh-oh. Every teenager at that time, if they weren't into Wolverine, they were into Gambit. That, That is true. What a crazy time to be alive when Gambit was so popular. And he was, and he was cool. And I followed Jim Lee to Image. I had a few Image books during the Speculator boom. I had the first four issues of Wildcats, Jim Lee's Wildcats. I had a couple issues of Spawn, some comics that nobody's heard of, like Brigade. Yeah, I don't remember that one. And when you you become a later teenager and you get into college, things like that, you might not be reading comics as much. You might not have the money for it, or you might just develop other interests. You know, in the 2000s, I kind of went back to G.I. Joe when they started a new run of A Real American Hero. And I started to pick up a lot of licensed properties. I was still reading some things like Marvel books and getting into some of the larger Marvel arcs that they would publish. Not ongoing series, but just picking up graphic novels of storylines. And I would do that with DC too, but I really started to read licensed characters in the 2000s. And it started with horror characters. They had done a Nightmare on Elm Street series and they'd done a Friday the 13th. 
uh, Halloween had some issues published, and I read them all. What about Army of Darkness? I don't know if you're familiar with the Marvel Zombie series, but they did do a Army of Darkness versus Marvel Zombies, which was a lot of fun, watching Ash take on zombie Captain America. I read all those. All the Marvel Zombies books, Marvel Zombies versus Ash. The one with Ash is a really great book. And they did Army of Darkness through a company called Dynamite Entertainment, which I'm sure a lot of comic fans know. Yeah, I know Dynamite, they do. And, and I guess that was my next question, is, is getting into comics that expand on the movies, not just add adaptations of a movie like I have the comic book adaptation of Dolph Lundgren's Punisher that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about where they take those licensed characters and expand on them and I know Dynamite they have a James Bond series or they did I don't know if that's still going and I know they do a lot of expansion on established characters if it's characters that I like if it's a movie I really like then yeah I want to see how that's expanded when you get like novels doing that like I'm a big Star Wars fan I've only read the novelization of the first film I don't care about the novel expanded universe because to me, Star Wars is just as much about the visuals as the characters and all that. I think that's why if you're going to expand on a movie universe, if you come out with a novel, I'll probably ignore it. But if it's a comic, it, that's a visual medium too. And so I'm more willing to indulge in that. And so, yeah, like there is a Bill and Ted's storyline that went on after the two movies. I don't think it's going to be touched upon in Bill and Ted Facing the Music, but I love it. It's by Evan Dorkin where there's like a time roller coaster. It gets real crazy. There was a 28 Days Later series that kind of bridged the gap between those two movies. I read four issues. It didn't quite work for me, so I dropped off pretty early. But, you know, Star Wars, I think it originated with Star Wars. There was a huge Marvel series back in the day where they introduced like a, a green rabbit Jax that we've never seen in the movies. But I think this is something that's been in, around in comics for quite a while. Uh, you know, you like the movie, come read the comic now. I read a lot of the ones that are well, like old time radio characters, like the Shadow, Green Hornet, Dynamite did some Green Hornet there. They have a Lone Ranger comic. They have Shaft. And there's a big one that I should have mentioned that I didn't. It was Dark Horse Aliens. They started publishing those. Yeah, of course. I mean, that again, when I was getting into comics, Dark Horse had Terminator comics, Alien comics, like these movies I wasn't necessarily allowed to see because they're R-rated. My parents were very strict about that, but I could read the comics. So that was like a joy that I could read about Terminator and Aliens and Predators. Dark Horse used to be the dynamite back in the day like they just did licensed stuff and now they have a lot of independently owned stuff but yeah that was a big one when I was a kid and the writers of these books they will take the characters in brand new directions brand new stories they'll introduce new characters oftentimes when that happens what we'll see is everything that's been established in the comic books is ignored when the next movie comes out but in this particular instance since we haven't gotten a Snake Plissken story since 1997 on film the book that we're here to talk about today published in 2014 the first issue came out in December 2014 of Boom Studios Escape from New York. This is the sequel to the film. Yeah, we'll talk about it, but this is going to pick up with like, they kind of John Wick it. If you've seen John Wick 2, that picks up literally where the first movie ends, and that's how this is going to be. You're going to get the last minute of that Escape from New York film, and then they're going to get right into it. But I, I think this is a great idea for this Escape from Wherever series, because it seems ripe. Again, get us a, a, a cartoon, a Netflix series. I want to see Snake Escape from every city. New York, LA, Cleveland, Dallas, San Antonio, Columbus, Ohio, wherever. Like, it's a fun, pulpy character, and, and so I want to see more of him. So I, I'm excited to get into this series, yeah, where he's going to go to Florida and Siberia. He's going back to New York, and we're going to get that Cleveland story that's always talked about. 
Before we get into it, I do just want to mention the creative team here. I always like to give people their due and their credit. Diego Barreto is the artist here. Got a lot of credits, a lot of stuff with Boom. The writer I had heard about, I haven't read it, but Christopher Sabella. I heard that name. I'm, I know I heard that name before I Googled him. I found something out about him. I'm like, ah, I've heard an interview from him on a podcast, and I went back and listened. So Sabella, he did a Kickstarter, and he, again, he's written comics before, but he did a Kickstarter for a very specific graphic novel he he was going to write. And I don't know if you're familiar with this. Apparently somewhere between Reno and Vegas, there's a clown motel. Yes, I can tell you. I can fill in the blanks for this one. I live in Las Vegas, if the listeners don't know. Between Reno and Las Vegas, there's not a lot. There are very tiny towns and a lot of desert. And Area 51 is out there somewhere. The clown motel is about three hours from Vegas. It's in a town called Tonopah. This place is famous for being America's scariest motel. It's because it's decorated with clowns. Yeah, I saw some pictures. It's freaky. And it's like right next to a cemetery too. And that was the whole point of this Kickstarter. Sabella had a Kickstarter. He's I like, look, if this is successful, I'm going to live in that motel for 30 days. For a month, he's going to live in the clown motel and then write about a graphic novel about it. I haven't read this graphic novel, but in the interview, he sounded very entertaining. And, and it, it was great because he had really bad cell phone service out there. So it just made it sound even creepier because he kept breaking up. But I'm like, OK, this guy is wacky. This guy seems like someone, if he's willing to live in a clown motel for 30 days and then write a, a comic book about it, give him the Escape series. I, he's obviously got got some off the wall ideas. So that gave me a little promise getting into this. So Escape, I'm going to call this by its subtitle, Escape from Florida. This is volume one of Escape from New York. It's going to kick off right where the original Escape from New York ended. He's going to get a helicopter and fly south. And Snake will end up in a few adventures before he eventually gets to Florida. But what they really want to establish is the United States is dystopian. It's kind of a little bit all over the place. And, and let me see if, if you had trouble with this. In the comics, it, it looks like there are businesses that are open. Snake stops at like a gas station. But at the same time, it's almost like a nuclear wasteland, like like a Mad Max kind of a place. Yeah, that's how I took it. And if you go back to our Mad Max series, like the thing with those films is the first one's supposed to be the crazy dystopian future. And no, it's, it just seems like a bad economy. And then as the films progress, they just get wildly worse. You get to Tina Turner running uh, Barter Town. And wow, things escalated very quickly in that series. I love those movies though. But yeah, this feels like early Mad Max where it's like, yeah, dystopian, a tyrannical government, but you can still get some comfort food at a diner. And speaking of this diner, this is the weird thing. You have this big action scene to kick off this story with those helicopters and everything and then he's going to run into these people that are going to take him to Florida it's just like two hours later and they're like you want to ride this is weird he was just flying a helicopter now is he hitchhiking there are some weird leaps in the storytelling with, with how this is laid out usually because I've been reading comics so long and I'm just more of a visual person I could really just absorb the visuals pretty quickly but this one I had to keep turning the pages back to try to follow some of the logic here and the fact that yeah you have this big action scene and then it's just like two hours later, hey, you want to ride Snake? That's weird. You just hit on my major issue with this graphic novel, and it's the transitions. Things go by so quickly, you can't tell what's happening. Yeah, for an, another example the, where it really jumped out at me, and it's early on in this first issue. So Snake, he gets this ride from these cultists that are on their way to Florida because there's these twins, and it makes it sound like they have psychic powers. They're never going to have psychic powers. For some reason, I got the impression maybe that's just their reputation is that they have these magical powers and they could do anything. But these cultists pick up Snake, and he falls asleep in the van, and then all of a sudden, he jumps up, and they're in a gas station shooting 
Asian people? Look, I, I went off about decompressed comics in the last episode, but here I, I need some kind of filler between him sleeping in the back seat and then a gas station getting shot up. I think I know some of the panels that you're talking about. Snake runs into the gas station. He finds everybody being shot up. He runs out of the gas station and he finds a pickup truck that he's going to use to escape, but the truck wasn't there previously. You didn't see anybody pulling up. Like you said, I had to scroll back. I look at the panels. They pull up to the gas station. So in the van, the van is there. There's no truck. It magically appeared along with one of the people that he'd arrived with who's hiding in this truck. There's a police helicopter all of a sudden. So the United States police force, the stormtroopers that are cleansing the nation of crime under the tyrannical government, now they're chasing Snake. The woman, she climbs into the back of the truck and fires at the helicopter and some police cars. The helicopter gets caught in some power lines and the helicopter crashes and then he's on his way to South Carolina. Yeah, and I, I will say, I'm not complaining about the art. The, this artist has a very clean style. I like the coloring in it. Maybe it's a little too clean for a gritty character like Snake. It's the actual story layout that I have the problems with. And and again, that's a very difficult thing to get right. And, and I just think it's a little off in this story. But yeah, Snake, he heads down to Florida. And this is basically, we talked about that one where he's stealing JFK's car. And that was kind of just the joke. is like, hey, you're going to steal the car that JFK was murdered in. This one seems to be based on that animated gif of Bugs Bunny sawing along the border of Florida. So it floats into the sea. So whenever you see a, a Florida man story, like someone posts that animated gif, that is literally the plot of... Of this is he gets down to Florida where these twins have placed nukes along the border and have told everyone they're going to blow up the border so Florida just floats away into the sea and they can have their own country. First of all, is that how it works? If you blow up the border, would you float away? <laughs> yeah, I, I think the ground goes deeper than that, but I don't know. I'm not a geologist. <laughs> but again, this is an escape story, so I like that goofiness. I, do, I actually don't have a problem with it, though I realize it's absurd. And again, I've also said that I kind of like Escape from L.A., even though it has that crazy surfing scene. The nuclear weapons that you mentioned, Jacob, they've obtained these nukes from Cuba. They've planted them along the border, like you said, but they're not really armed. It's a scare tactic. So Snake thinks that he's escaping the tyranny of the United States and the United States police force. He ends up going through what they call the crucible, where you have to fight off guys with ninja stars. It's extreme American gladiators. You either die or you live. They say you could tap out at any time. I don't feel like that is true. I guess if you were living in Florida before this all happened, you got to stay there because there are some people we'll meet that there's no way they could pass this gauntlet. I know Snake could pass it. And those are some fun panels. But again, the visual storytelling of one of them, he's holding like a katana and all this stuff is flying at him. I have no idea what's flying at him. It doesn't look like swords. It doesn't look like broken glass. I don't know what's supposed to be happening in that panel. There's a description going on. There's kind of a narration to Snake over the loudspeaker. This is a test of your fighting, your problem-solving skills. That That is the panel. I have no idea what problem he is solving. I can't tell what's happening. Well, it's all glass flying at you, and you have to fight it off with a samurai sword. I guess it's glass. Sure, I'll go with that. He has to take out a, a guy who's in a Mexican wrestler mask. Which I love. You're hitting my sweet spots, Lucadors. And then he finally makes it into Florida, where he's supposed to get a job. Yeah, and this is when we're going to meet the twins and they they're ready to greet snake because everyone knows snake is we've talked about that but the twins they are romulus and remus and i i don't know how you are with your roman mythology these names jumped out at me right away yeah it seems a little on the nose they're not supposed to have parents or, or at least they've abandoned their parents or whatever and yeah they will have a she-wolf we'll meet the she-wolf that raises them <laughs> much like that myth 
They've taken over Florida with allegedly psychic powers. And that is the end of the first issue in this graphic novel. They condense the four issues into one escape from Florida arc. So he arrives in Florida, he meets these twins, and they want him to lead an army against the United States. Yeah, and I was trying to look for more parallels with that myth about Rome being built by Romulus and Remus and will be introduced to Mima, their strong woman, their she-wolf mother, though it's just a really big woman, not an actual she-wolf, if you're familiar with that myth that let them suckle at her teats to, to become strong men. But yeah, I feel like that's as deep as they go with Romulus and Remus, like trying to get into, you know, okay, they're going to create their own nation, just like they created Rome. They're going to create this new nation of Florida, but it's Snake kind of just put into that old situation. And again, I said, I want to see Snake escape from every major city in America and perhaps the world. Make that a Netflix series or something. I'm totally down for that. But I want that satirical edge. Like, you should be commenting on what's going on. And look, Florida, that is right. Florida, man. That is just a thing we all know. You say Florida, man, everyone knows what you're talking about. Just someone who did something totally crazy. And I don't feel like these people are any crazier than anyone else in the escape universe. The She-Wolf, I could see as a Florida woman kind of a thing. But the way that she's presented on the page, she's drawn with like a cheetah print mini dress and she's muscular. Yeah, she's huge. She's even bigger than Snake. She's like Tigra uh, from Marvel Comics if Tigra was like really bulky and muscular. And so she has to fight Snake and she takes Snake down in a panel. Again, this is, it's difficult to... What is he holding in his hand when he's fighting her? I'm like, is that a hubcap? Is that a pot that was laying around? I don't know. I thought it was a helmet, but I couldn't... Oh, maybe it is a helmet. That makes sense. I can't tell, but then she headbutts him into submission in a really, really awkward panel that I had to like look at a few times to understand what was going on because it's drawn from the perspective of between her legs of her really leaning forward and headbutting Snake to the ground. I've said what I want to get out of an escape story, and this feels like Snake, he hates the military, so what are we going to do? We're going to make him lead an army thing, and we're going to put him in a situation where he can't escape, and he has to do it, just like we saw in New York, and I guess LA too, but I, I just feel like this is a comic. You don't have a budget. You can do whatever you want, and I feel like a lot of time is going to be spent with Snake just training other people to fight in the military. Yeah, we talked in the last episode about comics and being able to condense the story so it's shorter and it's not spread out over four issues. And I feel like this particular arc really could have been shorter. In a nutshell, Snake goes into Florida, finds himself in a situation. Now he's got to escape from Florida. Florida, in a way, even though they keep describing it as a free place, is a prison. It's a prison that's run by these two boys, which they set it up that Romulus and Remus, clearly they have no idea what they're doing, but people follow them for some reason. Yeah, because they're dictators. Like, you see all these bodies hanging from the lamppost. I did like this. You know, you're free to do anything, but if you do what we don't want, we're going to kill you. And you see all these bodies being hung from lampposts that were supposedly people trying to infiltrate Florida from the U.S. government. And they're like, yeah, and then we ran out of lampposts, so we just started burning them. So I get it. Like, they're dictators. They're Really, it's Meemaw, this hulking woman, the she-wolf character from the myth, that's running things. She's using these twins for... I don't get their charisma. That, that I guess that's my big problem is Romulus and Remus I don't get why everyone follows them because they only have one strong woman so why do they have this cult around them especially like they never even fake powers like I was waiting for that man behind the curtain Wizard of Oz moment where they try to fake some kind of psychic powers or something and then Snake is going to figure it out but no that never happens they could have taken a different direction with this they could have made them charismatic child leaders they could have shown why people will follow them they could have charmed Snake in an instance or two and he could have found himself I like that pun. Huh? Huh? <laughs> 
he could have found himself kind of going to their side. It would have been better than having two kids who really aren't really in charge. And I mean, at every turn, these kids, they don't act like leaders. None of it is written on the page. You never get the impression that these people could lead anything. They're not walking around with a detonator, even though they claim to have nukes. They don't display psychic powers. I think they could have made these kids a lot more interesting. Yeah, I, I do feel like despite this being a comic where you could do anything, it feels weirdly confined like a lot of Carpenter films do because of lack of budget. And again, I like most of John Carpenter's stuff, but that, that is always a problem. He never gets the money that he really needs. That shouldn't be an issue here, but yeah, it's a lot of standing around, training troops, and then Snake, he teams up with another guy and they start doing their little plot, but it's just a lot of sneaking around and it, I don't find it that engaging. No, not really. And Snake ends up getting captured, escapes from the twins, gets captured again. He does a lot of that. There's a lot of Snake's caught and then Snake has to break out of wherever he is. And these twins, they go through the, oh, we should kill him. Oh, let's not kill him. And then toward the end, of course, it's like, oh, we should have killed him in the beginning. Of course you should have. I hate that. You get that cliffhanger from the first issue. Hey, we're the twins and you're dead. And then, you know, you start the second issue. Haha, we're just joking. I'm like, uh, that's such a cheap. Comics do that all the time. You know, episodic television does that all the time. It's just, I feel like Annie Wilkes from Misery, that is a cheat. And I don't like that cheat. In the end, you know it's going to be a double cross. If Snake says he's going to lead the army, you know he's going to figure a way out of it. The U.S. Army is invading Florida from the north. The south goes to fight them. And in a really confusing sequence, Snake takes, what does he take, the warheads from the the nuclear bombs that work? Yeah, we saw him sneaking around. He figured out that those warheads along the border didn't have the explosives in them. So he finds those, puts them back in the warheads. Somehow he's just sneaking around at night. And so when the U.S. invades them, first of all, there's a big battle. And I get very confused. And then in one panel, it's just like, hey, Snake, you united both sides. We should go forth and take back America. I'm like, wait, that happened? He united both sides? I never even got that through all these pages. Yeah, because he defeats Mima in a fist fight or well he uses some melee weapons in there but I guess defeating her is the big bad because the twins end up in the backseat of a car where they're pushed out of town and they have to go call their parents to pick them up which really again you could have set these twins up to be some sort of cult leader that people would die for and instead you leave it all up to Mima to be the boss yeah she's the heavy but there's no charisma like the cult's gotta have both you have the charismatic leader and then the heavy that enforces everything and here because you don't have that charisma I never understand and the appeal of Romulus and Remus and Mima doesn't seem like she's a leader enough to keep Florida in fear but Snake's gonna you know he doesn't want to lead both sides he doesn't want to be a military leader he just wants to escape from everything but the twins blow up those nukes along the border they thought they had other launchers that were gonna launch these nukes into the United States but because Snake switched the warheads they blow that border up and Florida goes sailing off into the ocean and so does Snake he finds a motorboat and he heads out of town. Is he swimming away? It looks like he's got a pack of cigarettes in his mouth. I couldn't make it out at first. He's always asking for cigarettes in this story. Yeah, there's a panel in which he asks for cigarettes and everybody, you know, 10 or 12 people put out their lighters and their packs of cigarettes because they all know Snake. Everybody knows him and everybody says the same thing. I thought you were dead. And I, I think, Jacob, I'm, I'm just going to have a real problem with that if it continues on into the next book. I think it is. <laughs> I haven't read it yet, but I have a feeling. The novelization that we covered, sure, that comes from the script. And the two or three comics that came after that, it's in there. I thought there were callbacks. But if they were going to continually lean on this as like a crutch at every time Snake meets somebody, they're going to say, I heard you were dead. I'm going to get real tired of the writing. 
And I like that this is a sequel to Escape from New York. You find out what the fallout is from Snake switching that tape, and now China and Russia think the U.S. is weak, that this president's a joke, he gets impeached. There's a lot of details about that that we're not even getting into or skipping over, but I do like that stuff that we're seeing the results of Escape from New York playing out in the background here, and they're kind of setting up this big war that happens in this final issue. But yeah, so much, that's all background stuff. That That's like the first 70 pages of that novelization that I really liked because it built that universe in a way I hadn't seen it before. And, and this does the same thing. But when you get into the meat of this story, I don't know, it feels kind of uninspired. Again, it, this could have been Escape from South Carolina, Escape from Texas. Like nothing really feels special about Florida, except I guess they have that border they could blow up. Yeah, it really would have been more interesting if they had expanded on the children being charismatic cult leaders. And, and I would have gone with them having actual powers because, well, I guess this is going off the movie where they don't get into the stuff with the gas, but because I got that novelization fresh in my mind. Yeah, this gas, you know, it creates mutants. I, I've seen that in a million movies. I would have gone along with it here. We get the fallout from Escape from New York and what happened with the president after Snake shredded the tape, and it's teased in the very last few panels of the book. Snake is recaptured by the United States Police Force. He's thrown into a plane and then thrown out of a plane, and the very last panel is Snake in a parachute being dropped over Siberia, and the next issue, Escape from Siberia. Yeah, maybe my geography's not great. I know we talked about that Battle of Leningrad, but it's like back to Siberia for you. I'm like, well, his big fight was in Leningrad. I don't know. Maybe Leningrad is in Siberia. I don't think it is, though. But it's set up that Snake's last words are, damn it, not again. Like, he's going to have to go into another prison and he's going to have to escape from there. So my question is, is this going to be every book in the series? Is Snake going to end up in a place that he's going to have to escape from? Yeah, again, if you had a TV series, that overall story arc, what does he want? You could have that touched upon in every episode as he's escaping from a different city, which I say keep that conceit, but you got to expand the character. You got to reveal more about him. And ultimately, that's kind of the disappointment here is you don't learn a whole lot more about him, but the story is written from the point of view like, you know this character because it starts off with that tape. If I hadn't read that novelization, I'd been like, okay, now I got to go way back in my memory from 10 years ago, last time I watched Escape from New York. How did that movie end? Is Because it picks up right from there. You know, this is almost like picking up issue number 200 of the X-Men, the last issue of that storyline that you talk, Inferno storyline. So it feels like it's written for fans, but the character's not really expanded on, and I think that's what fans would want. I think the intent with this book was really to do all-out action, and there really is a lot of action. We had trouble following it on the page, as we've talked about, but really it is just like wall-to-wall action scenes and not a lot of character development. When I read a comic book, I really look for the art, and if the art impresses me, I'll get sucked in a little faster than I will the storyline, but I wasn't super impressed by the art in this book or the story. How did you feel about the way that they drew Snake Plissken? I like it. The lines are very clean, but for this character, maybe a little too clean. Like, maybe they could have found an artist that has just a little grittier style. You know, boom, they used to do a lot of Pixar properties and stuff. Maybe this artist would be more appropriate for Wally or something. Yeah, and we certainly need art that lets us know what's happening on the page. I think that that is definitely something that needs to change. Yeah, and again, I don't know if that's the artist's fault, if that's the writer's fault. Again, because I have worked in some comics as an artist, I didn't always follow the script. Sometimes, you know, a writer, they have prose in their head, and I go, no, this doesn't work, though, as a visual medium, and we got to break this panel up, or we got to change this away. So it's very collaborative, at least in in my experience, and so I don't know quite who to blame, but yeah, that is the biggest problem for me, is the, the storytelling. And again, 
this is coming from me. I'm, I'm not bragging. I'm, I'm not saying I'm great, but I like visual mediums and I can consume them very fast and tell what's going on. And I kept having to turn back a page. And I know a lot of times when you first get into comics, you're doing that because you're not understanding how you go from, you know, panel to panel to panel. I, when I try to share comics with my wife, she's like, I don't know how to follow the page. And that's something you have to learn. But I had a hard time following some of these pages as someone that's had decades of experience reading sequential art. That same goes for me. And I think that's we're definitely where we come down on this book. Do you think that makes it recommendable or not? What's your final thoughts? It's tough because at the end of the day, if you want a new Snake Plissken adventure, this is it. But you know what? It's not the Snake Plissken adventure that I wanted to read. And from the art perspective, it's not one that I really enjoyed looking at either. I would like to see a little bit more in terms of the story. If you're not going to do that, then just condense it. I agree. And I feel like almost every comic book I read, like you could condense it, you could cut out these panels. Though, like maybe just realign your visual storytelling. Because like we've said, that is my biggest problem with this one. I don't have a problem with the art per se. It's just the way the story is told at times gets confusing and then the story like you said if you're a fan of the escape films and you want more snake plissken i mean you could watch lockout like that, that that's a pretty close ripoff oh i'm so glad you brought that up it got sued me <laughs> because it's such a ripoff though i kind of like that one too because it is an escape film more or less i can't wait until you guys talk about escape from new york and la on now playing podcast because i know you're going to bring up lockout I'm, I'm pushing that we review lockout along with them i don't know if it's going to happen no promises I'm pushing for it because it is essential. Like Carpenter won a lawsuit. And <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the craziest part about it. It's so obvious. But yeah, so this is your option if you want more Snake Plissken. And here's how I am. Like when I'm buying comics, I will give any series its first story arc. Or if I'm jumping on in the middle, just whatever story arc I'm on, I'll, I'll give it that, which is because four to six issues usually. So, you know, anywhere from 20 to $25, something like that investment in that. And then I decide if I'm really into it, then I'll keep buying it. I got to say, if I was buying this in individual issues at the time, I would have dropped off after these four. Like, it's fine, but like you said, I'm not learning a whole lot about the characters. I definitely have problems with Romulus and Remus. Mima, the she-bear, this hulking woman, like, that feels like a very Carpenter, Snake Plissken-type character, but not a whole lot is done with her. I think if you're an easy lay for Plissken, I think you'll enjoy this. If you're a bit more critical, like (laughs) we have been, it will leave you wanting. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping it gets better when we get to Siberia. I will tell you, when we do get to Siberia, it is the same creative team, it is the same writer, and it is the same artist. The cover of Escape from New York Volume 2 has Snake parachuting in over the silhouette of a hammer and sickle, so maybe we'll learn more about that Leningrad and the World War III that he had fought in. Yeah, I'm hoping so. So even though I guess I'd say, hold off on reading this one. If the series gets better, then yeah, start at the beginning. But I don't know right now. Right now, this was kind of, uh, you could probably skip it. It, it, It's like a C-level comic to me. But don't skip next week. We'll be talking about Volume 2, Escape from Siberia. We'll get into Snake's next adventure. And Jacob, I'm looking forward to talking again to you next week. Yep, and until then, there is no escape from Books and Nachos. Thank you for listening to this episode of Books and Nachos. You can also find many more book reviews at our website, booksandnachos.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word about our podcast by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Books and Nachos is a crowdsourced podcast with no sponsors or ads. You can support our show by pledging to our Podbean campaign at booksandnachos.com support. 
The music for Books and Nachos is The Right Prescription by Chai Weapon, provided by PodsafeAudio.com. Books and Nachos is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2020, all rights reserved, and no part of the show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated.